everybody, it's Richie, and before we start the show, we of course have to tell you about DraftKings and the DraftKings app. The conference finals are wrapping up in the NBA, of course, and DraftKings is continuing to have free-to-play pools every day of the basketball playoffs, offering players a free shot of up to $10,000 in total prizes. That's $10,000 in total prizes, Sporty Nation, up for grabs every day, and it is 100% free to play. All you got to do is go to the pools page of the DraftKings app, answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that the, that day's game, and you can win some money. All you got to do, download the app, go to DraftKings.com, use the promo code THPIN when you sign up, and you can get that free shot of up to $10,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. DraftKings pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. Once again, that's promo code THPN. In a world where social media is king and everyone is an expert in everything, get the facts from your insiders here on Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. Here are your hosts, Corey Crenshaw and Richie Flores. I am Corey Crenshaw. I am Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome back in, Sporty Nation. Happy Monday, everyone. Hope it's going well. A nice week for everyone. I feel like it's starting to get into vacation season where everyone's getting the fuck out of the heat. And it's kind of the best time of the year, especially when, you know, we have vacations and then we have the Olympics. I'm getting kind of excited about the fact that uh, I'm going to get to watch some ping pong in the middle of the day again. Someone else I know who is super psyched about it is my wonderful, amazing co-host, Richie Suave Flores. How you doing? Hello, Corey. You know, we've discussed this many times before about how much we love staying up late and watching badminton and ping pong. Because we did that for the last couple Olympics, right in in Rio, and I believe even in during the uh, during Rio, right, and even the Winter Olympics too, we had some weird sports that we'd like to watch curling. But yeah, I am very excited to watch table tennis again, badminton again. Two very exciting sports to watch, especially when they're on, like you said, either during the day when you're at work or late at night. Either one of the two, and the games obviously are in. Uh, Tokyo this year so the time difference is pretty big so I don't know exactly when we're going to be able to watch it but yes that and then we also get to watch the greatest athlete of all time in my opinion Simone Biles too which anytime we get a chance to watch her like just it's it's art it's perfect they have to be like you know doing some cryotherapy some theragunning some like everything to that girl because she I feel like, is beating the shit out of her body. I was just watching uh, the trials earlier, and poor girl, I feel like, is going to have lasting effects to her body because of how much damage it must take because she does such high difficulties that it's just so much, like, pressure on all of her joints. So her poor little body needs um, some work done to it before she goes to Tokyo to make sure it's in tip-top shape because yeah it's gonna be very entertaining i'm excited about volleyball or uh, beach volleyball i'm excited about uh gymnastics as we we're just talking about one of my other favorite ones to listen to like i even if they don't have 
it on during it, I'll turn it on while I'm working is archery. It's like the calm, like the most calming thing you can listen to while you're working because they, they talk about it in this tone of voice. It's almost like golf, but it's got more pressure. And the only time they raise their voice is when someone doesn't get a 10 because like everyone's so accurate that they'll eventually like raise their voice to be like, oh, and, and it's a nine. It's a nine. <laughs> but it's like the cal- most calming thing to listen to ever. Like I would just put it on in the background while I was working and it would just be like the calmest thing ever. I don't, maybe I should try and listen to golf like when I'm working. It might like chill me out too. But archery, awesome. The only thing that does suck about it being the Summer Olympics, like you said, is that there is no curling because I thoroughly enjoy watching curling. And I'll add one more name to the list of athletes I'm excited to watch is Katie Ledecky, who is probably the most dominant swimmer in the history of ever. And it's not even close. Like, the, I don't know if you got a chance to watch any of the highlights of a couple of her races from last week, but she was just cooking girls by like 15 fucking seconds by like half a pooling. I was like, Oh yeah, she's good. And she's going to, they actually added in like the long distance swim. I think it's the 1500 meters this year. It's going to be the first time ever that the women are going to be competing in that race distance in the Olympics. The men have been doing it for decades, obviously, but for whatever reason, they finally decided, Hey, women can do this too. And so she's probably going to win that and the 800. And I don't, I think she might be in a relay too, but yeah, she's like, we think of Michael Phelps as the greatest Olympian of all time. He had more events he was in, but Katie Ledecky is more dominant than Michael Phelps, in my opinion. And it's not even close. I will give him all the credit in the world now, though, because of the fact that he is now a swim coach for ASU. Yeah, he is. That's correct. So I will give him all of the credit in the world just because of being an ASU homer. Exactly. So that's coming up in a couple weeks. Now, the Olympics also happening around the same time as we ramp up to the NHL um, expansion draft and the NHL draft at the end of July too. So we're going to have a lot of stuff going on at the end of July, which is going to be very exciting. So here's what's coming up the rest of the show. And it's going to be another quickie episode, hopefully for, for you on this Monday here, as you uh, ramp up towards watching game five of the Western conference finals, the Suns and the Clippers, that should be very exciting, very nerve wracking. Um, we have some OEL rumors to talk about. We might touch on the Stanley Cup, which is beginning. We have our viral tweet that we want to talk about in terms of some movies that we've seen way too many times and also touch on our sporty question too. And uh, let's let's start off, Corey, with something I texted you about on Saturday and you were very excited about, which is I, I saw this video that the Hockey News put out and it was focused on all of and Larson and – they were trying to come up with teams who might be good fits for Oliver Ekman Larson. And some of the teams that were mentioned in this particular video were the Boston Bruins, the Blue Jackets, the Seattle Kraken, and I believe the Blackhawks. And then also the last name they threw out there was the Florida Panthers. And the reason why they mentioned the Florida Panthers is 
according to one of the guys who was part of this video, I don't remember his name, writes for the Hockey News, obviously. Um, he was throwing out the idea that Keith Yandel is not very happy in Florida right now. He's been there for years, obviously. But as you well know, Corey, he probably isn't very happy there because they tried to scratch him so often this year and sure. end his Ironman streak. Exactly. I was not happy either. This podcast was not happy. I will say that. You can go back and listen to our other podcasts of when that time was. We were not happy. Yeah, exactly. Not happy whatsoever. And so they threw out the possibility here. And I think it actually would be kind of cool of a Keith Yandel reunion to the Arizona Coyotes. And they would basically have a thing where they would make Keith Yandel happy, train him back to the Coyotes and then they would move OEL and his contract to the Florida Panthers who have a little bit of cap space and and I think it would be a a fun little trade for Coyotes fans to get reunited with a a fan favorite and Keith Yandel. Absolutely. Like it's funny cuz you always get the people who were uh, pissy when he was here and you know and the fact that they didn't really like how much of an offensive uh, defenseman Keith Yandel is, and then, you know, his issue with turnovers and whatnot. So there will always be those people that don't want him back for those reasons. And then there will be people that are saying, you know, he's a fair amount older than he was when he was uh, here because, you know, he went he went over to the Rangers and then has been in Florida for a little while. And so they're going to say he's coming towards the latter part of his career. My response to it is, yes, I have always been a big Keith Yandel fan. I've always uh, been a, a supporter of his game because I just I like the way that he plays and I always feel like that is the way of uh, defensemen of the future is offensive defensemen because of the fact that the league wants scoring so much that offensive defensemen are going to be your – your core defenseman of the future. Just just my my personal opinion. Um, I think it would be a good idea simply in the fact that uh, OEL was always supposed to be a stellar offensive defenseman for the Coyotes and has ne- hasn't really been that. He hasn't really been good defensively or offensively. So, like, we, we've already made it abundantly clear that getting rid of him is is probably the best thing for this team but to replace him with keith yandel who has always done well um in in that regard and is a veteran he's been here before he's also been gone and around the block in the playoffs and doing all sorts of stuff where he can come into this locker room and lead this team in in a, in a solid direction. And the fact that he also is a good person to have in the locker room, which is not something we can necessarily say about OEL. And in the fact that this team going forward is predicted to be a very young team that's, that's going to have a very young coach. So you're going to want a few token vets in that locker, in that locker room in order to round this team out. And I think he would be a great choice. And if you're looking in terms of contracts, we know OEL's contract is ridiculous and stupid and basically a waste of, of time for anybody acquiring him at this point. Um, good luck to anybody who actually decides to trade for him and thinks it's a good idea. But Keith Yandel's contract looks like this. He's got two years remaining on his contract. Um, he's got a no-move clause, so he would have to approve a trade back to Arizona if he, that's 
what he wanted to do. And he's got about $6.3 million for the next two years, which is um, something that in any, any Oliver Ekman-Larsen trade, one of the things that's going to have to happen is you're going to have to have the Coyotes bring back a player with a bigger contract like a Keith Yandel. That's going to be $6 million plus. Or the numbers aren't going to work out at all. So it's either going to be, like I mentioned previously, either you are going to get a player back with a bad contract that you're going to have to take on for a year or two, or you're going to have to retain some of OEL's salary. One of the two things. And I would also say, and I said this on Twitter, I've said this months ago, anytime this ever comes up, like the Coyotes are not going to get much for all of Rekman okay? They're not going to get a first-round draft pick. They're not even going to get a second-round draft pick. I'm surprised if any – I don't think anybody's going to give up much for them at all. They're basically just going to be like – Okay, we'll do you a favor. We have some cap space. We'll take on the rest of this contract and hope all of Reckon Larson with the change of scenery works out. And that's why, like, I brought up the Seattle Kraken on a couple show, couple shows ago. Um, Rick Tockett, not the head coach there, as, as you kind of brought up um, on that show, Corey. You were like, okay, well, if Rick Tockett's the coach, he's probably not going to want to go there. Well, now Dave Haxtall is going to be the coach there. And we know they're going to have a lot of salary cap, right? I feel like he would be – uh, a nice fit there in Seattle. So those are your, your couple options there for, for all of Rackman-Larsen. Um, I, I, again, I, last thing on this, I'm going to ask you to put a, on a scale of one to 10, how likely do you think all of Rackman-Larsen is going to be moved this off season? I'm putting it pretty high. Like we already talked about, they're taking a different tact here where they're going to go and try and work out a trade and then ask Oliver for his approval and do it that way. I'd say an eight that he is he has played his last game in Arizona. I'd say a nine and a half. I'm going pretty oh. high on this. I feel like if they are if they have come to the space of we are going to field anything and then come to him, that if I was a player hearing that they are going to take any options for him, that should send a message. That they are trying to go around the other way. If they really thought about maybe wanting to keep him, they would have stuck to the same initial way. Hey, where do you want to go? And then see if uh, any of those places work. And then go from there. Um, because that that's what you do when you're like, eh, I don't really care. You know, if, if this player stays or leaves. But uh, in this sense, they're actively trying to find a solution that works in the best way they can with his no move clause. So um, I, I feel like they're going to try and find a way to get him out. Whatever it takes, basically, I feel like is what they're going to be doing. I would also like to make a moment of silence for Rick Tockett and the fact that he did not get either the uh, Rangers or Seattle job. And uh, I, I feel personally pretty bad about it because I felt like Rick Talk had deserved to go to one of the, like one of those two great jobs after the Coyotes. He dealt with enough shit here. He deserved to uh, go on to something good. Yeah. The only other option he has as far as a head coaching position this upcoming season is with the Buffalo Sabres. And if I'm not mistaken, he is, He's talked with the Buffalo Sabres about it, but that's all we know. There's been some rumors and some talk about him possibly joining in uh, the staff in Calgary as an assistant there. 
that I've seen some others saying that's maybe not going to be the case. So I, yeah, I have a feeling like he's probably going to end up taking a year off and just giving it a year and seeing where he goes from there. So that I was, like I said, I was very surprised that he did not get the job there in Seattle because the Dave Haxtell news came out of freaking nowhere. And it's like, he wasn't in the conversation at all. It's like, Oh yeah, we're going to name the guy that didn't really do well in Philadelphia as the coach here. So good stuff. Seattle already off to a, a killer, killer start. Um, when it comes to your hockey personnel hirings, as far as your head coach, at least. So um, let's uh, let's move on to do a quick preview of what we're going to see in the Stanley Cup. Now, full disclosure here, everybody, um, I did not watch much of either of the conference final series. So, so what I'm saying with the grain of salt here, I will I can only say my prediction on what's going to happen based off of what I saw and which wasn't much. Cause I was so, I was mostly paying attention to the suns obviously over the last couple of weeks. So um, your initial thoughts, Corey, do you, do you think that the lightning are going to repeat as Stanley cup champions? If I'm not mistaken right now, they are the favorites to win that series. I want to look up the, the, the betting line here while you gather your thoughts on this Corey here. But um, I believe that the, the lightning are the series favorites here. Yes, they are minus two forty favorites. If you're betting people out there to win the series against the Montreal Canadians, the upstart Montreal Canadians. So uh, are you asking me who I genuinely think is going to win or who I would like to win? Well, you can answer both ways. Because uh, they're completely different. Um, I think the Tampa Bay Lightning, and, and we've and we've said it before, like, obviously, there's a loophole and you want to work around it. That's the NHL's fault, not the team's fault. But, uh, you know, Tampa Bay got very lucky with their situation. Um, and they have a really freaking good team. I think they're going to go back to back. I would... Um, I would prefer that not being the case, considering the fact that they just won and the fact that there has been enough championships in Tampa Bay. I am kind of getting to the point where, you know, like they need to share the wealth. Um, So I feel like Tampa Bay will be uh, the winning team, but I would much rather have Montreal win. I I agree with you there. Like I personally – my big Rudy interest in this series is I just want to see Carey Price win a Stanley Cup. I think that I think he deserves it for many reasons. He's been one of the best goaltenders in the league for the last decade or so, right? And uh, he just got stuck on bad teams there for a little bit. But that's my biggest reason. I just want to – and Cole Caulfield too. Like they have some good young players on, on that roster too. And I, I feel like a kind of a kinship with them in a little bit. Because I feel like I made the comparison before between the Phoenix Suns and the Montreal Canadiens this year, where they're both kind of underdogs that nobody was really picking. Like, how many people picked the fucking Clippers to beat the Suns in the conference final, right? How many people picked the Lakers to beat the Suns in the first round? How many people picked the Denver Nuggets over the Suns, right? The Suns, even though they had the second best record in the NBA, were still underdogs in a lot of people's eyes. And they're also both very young teams that still have your your kind of veteran leadership with Carey Price for the Canadians and Chris Paul for the Phoenix Suns. And so in that way, like I – oh, 
And guess what? The last time the Montreal Canadiens were in the Stanley Cup final, 1993. You know who else played for a championship in 1993? The Phoenix Suns did too. So that's why I want the Canadians to win. Will they win? Probably not unless Carey Price just like finds a different level of stratosphere and is able to manage find a way to stop that ridiculously high-powered Tampa Bay Lightning offense. So, you know, I think it's going to be an interesting series. Um, I hope that they schedule the games on different dates in the NBA Finals if the Suns manage to pull out the series against the Clippers because there's no fucking way I'm watching a Stanley Cup Final over an NBA Finals with the Phoenix Suns in it, just so you know, NHL. But, yeah, I'm glad we're both in agreement there. Yeah, and I think it's impressive in the fact that I know some people may not have this as a uh, something that hindered them, but I feel like it was kind of difficult for any Canadian team coming down to come and play the American teams, considering the fact that they were up in Canada this entire time. Like that, they had to make the the trip down for the first time. I felt like was a little bit difficult for them because of that it's so unusual and they got such into a routine of playing just Canadian teams coming down and playing teams in the States. I just felt like was a little bit of a challenge for them in the fact that they, you know, overcame all of that and ended up where they're at is impressive in its own right. Yeah, and uh, I, I, I think it's going to be – you're looking at a series that the Canadians are going to be able to pull out at least one or two games in this series if they don't win it. And so I have I, I think this this is a series that could go, you know, six or seven games, right? The Canadians obviously won the series against Vegas, but that was a seven-game series, right? And Vegas was one of your two favorites probably to win the Stanley Cup prior to the playoffs, right? And they beat them. Like, nobody thought that the Canadians were going to be able to beat a deep, a talented Vegas team, and they did it. And so it would not surprise me in the least if the Canadians were able to pull this off. And uh, it should be an interesting interesting series. And uh, go Habs. Go Habs, go. Yeah, shout out to um, our own Habs podcast on the network we we quite enjoy mason and bender so you know shout out to them we'd love to see uh them win for them as well yes exactly i made i just made katarina very sad over here um she's my my audience for the podcast here when i said go habs go she she got very sad but she likes carrie price yeah just doesn't like the canadians though she can she can suck it up for carrie price (laughs) <laughs> All right, so let's let's move on here to a couple more things we got on the docket. Now, have you seen the the viral tweet thread going around where people are, are asking you to name five movies you know for sure you've seen at least ten times? So I did not see this. Um, it has been a busy-ass weekend um, of mine. I went wedding dress shopping yesterday, and then today I was like out and about doing a bunch of things. So um, I had not seen this. So this was, when you put this in the rundown, it was kind of a surprise. Like I had to think off the top of my head 
what movies have I seen at least 10 times? Which then it occurred to me, I am like a habitual movie rewatcher. And I, there genuinely is like a lot of them that I have probably watched more than 10 times. So I decided to go through series because I feel like it's a little bit harder for me. So. Okay. Uh, um, I'll go first. And then I, I, prior to the show, I tried to guess some of the series that are on your list. And I think I did a pretty good job of it, but I'll find out if I was correct in a minute, but here, here's my list. Now I could have done all five of these. I could have picked five of the Harry Potter movies. And that would have filled my list alone. Because if there was one series talking about that that I've probably seen the most, it's Harry Potter. Because every time it's on TV, I will pop it on and watch it. And I I have all of the movies on Blu-ray. Um, and I can never get enough of it. So that's probably the series I've watched the most. So I decided to pick the movie that I think I've seen the most times of the bunch. And that's Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, which is the third movie of the series and uh, might possibly be my favorite of the series. Um, I also have the dark Knight on the list. I have, I have dodgeball on the list. That's another movie that I feel like I, every time it's on, I watch. That's my only singular movie I threw on here. I was like, you know what? If there's a singular movie that's on a, a series, it's probably dodgeball. That, that's why and that's why we're besties right there there you go love and it then, love and it. then oh, the other movie that I, I know i've seen a bunch i saw it in theaters when it originally came out too and I, I watch it all the time it's on i was watching it like two days ago actually um ricky bobby yes yes love that one I, if i haven't watched that one 10 times it's got to be pretty damn close and then my last one on the list is inception now, I, I have two Christopher Nolan movies on here. Christopher Nolan movies are movies that you have to watch over and over and over again to really, like, understand them most of the time. And I feel like Inception is one of those. Um, and it just gets better and better every time I see it. So that's my that's, those are my five. Huh. Yeah. Are, are, can we include movies that my fiancé makes me watch a billion times? Because Interstellar could be on that list. <laughs> I almost put Interstellar on the list. Yeah, no. Every time that's on TV, Scotty turns it on. <laughs> it's like, and it's always the part where Rose dies, and I cry. Yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a tough part of the movie. Like it's just every single time, like his every single time his daughter dies, like it's such a weird. A weird way to put it, because, like, you know, obviously no parent should see their child be, like, 90-something years old and die. It's such a, like, a, a you know, such a long movie. And the fact that by the time you get to that, I cry like a baby every single time. It's like the, there's only a couple movies that do that to me. That one does it. Armageddon does it. When, uh... Um, I can't think of his name. Uh, Bruce Willis. Yes, when he dies, he's t- talking to Liv Tyler, and 
and like says he's gonna miss her wedding and all this stuff like to save her fiance that that one i ball crying every time there's only a few movies that do that to me uh end game but that it's, interstellar i've probably watched it a bunch of times and i still can't it's saving it. private ryan on your cry list Another movie I've seen, I've seen quite a bit and well over 10 times too. I didn't make my list, but like the very end of that movie, when private Ryan is like at the grave of captain Miller at the end of the movie. And he's an old man. He has all of his family there. And he, and he asks his family, uh, tell me I have led a good life. Tell me I'm a good man. It's like that, that fucking scene right there. Every time I see it, I get, that, I get a little teary. That movie you have to be almost numb to. Because it is such kind of an emotional movie all on its own. Like oh, that, oh, yeah. Like in it in itself, like it is such like an intense movie. They did such a good job in making you feel that movie. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's why the very end of that movie is such a such a tearjerker for a lot of people, like myself. I I mentioned that several times before because I think that conversation comes up every once in a while. But uh, yeah, so what, what, what? Oh, uh, let me let me guess. Let me tell the 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 three that I chose as as my best guess here. I chose um, I chose Die Hard. I chose Underworld, and I chose Austin Powers. Those were my three guesses to make your list. So top three uh, from ever since I was a little kid. Loved and adored the Die Hard series. So Die Hard absolutely is on that list. Um, Austin Powers, I was telling you about this earlier when you guessed it. I, I, I have a really hard time going to sleep, so I watch old movies in order to fall asleep. I Fun fact, I watch Austin Powers 1, 2, or 3 every single night when I go to bed. And when I don't watch... Um, one of those, I watch Pitch Perfect 2, so the Pitch Perfect series, um, is also on there as well, um, and then the Underworld series, you are correct, is on my list as well, because, um, yeah, the the Underworld series, Chef's Kiss, love, love the entire thing, um, can't say anything other than the fact that i just love underworld um and then confession yes confession i've never seen any of those movies oh god oh god this has not got to be a movie night richie this could be a new binge for you because i we can start with the first underworld Uh and then you can go through all the rest of them just like um we did with Fast and Furious. Oh, although, oh my gosh, what what order? It's like the whole Star Wars thing. Oh, why did I put that on this list? I the original Star Wars. I my brother and I used to watch them every single summer, like like clockwork, all three mm-hmm. of them. Um, but so they weren't on my initial list, but that they would be definitely in there. Um, it's like Star Wars for Underworld. Like, there is a prequel that's thrown in there. So do you watch the first one as it was done, like, 
when it was released or do you watch the prequel and then the other ones this is the yeah. question yeah I, I didn't even know there was a prequel yes there is the prequel came out third i think in in the whole lineup i'll have to i'll have to think that one through we have underworld underworld evolution underworld rise of the lycans underworld awakening underworld blood wars so underworld rise of the lycans is the prequel okay so I, i'll have to i'll have to think about that i'll also have to discuss with scotty because i've made him watch all of them obviously so see what he thinks he just recently saw the prequels he's watched all of the regular ones and then just watched the prequel like two weeks ago so i'll see what he thinks too um so yeah those and then i guess technically i need one more so i had a couple on here that were so um one of them in this series is too new for me to have watched it more than 10 times but uh i just bought it so i'm probably on my way towards it uh bad boys love all of them so that would definitely be one of them um i also gave an honorable mention to transformers because i am i have watched of the first original three i definitely have watched all of them more than 10 times and um, an honorable mention to the first two Tomb Raider movies, the ones with uh, Angelina Jolie. I was obsessed with that video game as a kid. So those. And then um, obviously Kat brought up Fast and the Furious. But there's just too many movies to have watched them that many times. There's a few of them that I've watched that many times. I mean, I was like, I felt like the encyclopedia after we came out of uh, Fast 9, uh, of all random Fast and the Furious knowledge. Uh, but it's just difficult to watch all of those. That would, that would be 90 to watch all of them 10 times. <laughs> that is pretty wild. I would say the same thing about the James Bond movies too. Because I've seen every one at least once. Several of them I've seen multiple, multiple times. And I think there's two or three that I probably have seen at least 10 times on that list. Yeah, my parents had the old school VHS box set of all of them. And then once VHSs went out, they bought the DVD box set of them, which was extraordinary because like you woke up one day and you're just like, oh, I'm feeling a little bit Sean Connery today. You could just literally just pull one out. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good one too. Um, quickly, your fast your fast nine review. We teased we were going to do that on the last show, so that'll be the last thing we talk about here on this episode before we wrap up. But quickly, your fast nine review. Fast nine review. Okay, so I I've had to hear from. Other people as well. My, my parents went and watched it today. Um, and everyone I've heard seemed to have enjoyed it. I was a little bit worried that there was like little nuances that people wouldn't understand in it because of the fact that it was very much, to me, like the first 
of the newest Star Wars and the fact that like it, they just took every character that you love and just threw it into this movie. So it was the first time you really got everyone in it outside of the rock. Um, and so it was, it was really cool from that point of view, but if you don't, if you didn't watch all of them, I feel like there might be some little things that you won't enjoy as much just because you just don't know them. Um, the storyline, as I was telling Richie of the, of Dom, when he, uh, when he was younger is a storyline that we've been waiting for, for forever. I will 20 years now because it's the 20th anniversary of the first movie because in the first movie, um, Dom explains that, uh, the reason why he was arrested was because of the fact that he beat the shit out of this guy who killed his dad on the track with a wrench. So, um, they talk about it in the first movie, but you don't really get much about that backstory. So they go deep in that backstory and it is one of my favorite storylines in all of Fast and the Furious. It's, a ton of fun, just stupid action that, and they even make fun of it in their own right during it. Like, um, Terry Skipson's character, Roman, like makes fun of the fact that they almost seem invincible almost throughout the entire movie. They go to space in a Fiero. It was just a lot of fun. Yeah, I agree. It was, I rank it fourth on my list in terms of favorites in the franchise. Five, six, and seven to me, tops in the franchise. 100%. Once you put the rock in there, like things just took off. And then this movie, like you said, the thing that makes it the most different to me is, is the story between the two brothers is what make made this movie so different from the others. And cause the action sequences are good in this movie, but they've had better ones in, in previous movies. But the story kind of takes those action sequences that were good but not like super memorable, like it may be in previous movies. And it, it makes the movie more entertaining and more interesting as a whole. So I'd rank it fourth on my list. The other thing I also really liked about it that I, I uh, didn't think about until later is I feel like Jordana Brewster, who plays Mia, um, who um, is married to Brian O'Connor, who was played by Paul Walker before he died and is Dom's sister, um, I feel like she always had a role as like the wife and the sister and they never really gave her like, you know, she'd do some stuff in the movies, but she never really had like a badass role. This was, I felt like her first badass movie, which was really nice to see. Oh yeah. 100%. Cause remember like earlier in the franchise, isn't she like reluctant, reluctant to like drive any of the cars or anything like that? Like, um, you know, like she can do it, but she just, like, says, nah, I'm not going to do it. I mean, they have her driving the cars. Like, that's the thing is they'll have her. She's not, like, the main person. But, like, you know, when, when they're, um, you know, she'll take over for Paul Walker while he's, like, trying to do, like, something outside of the car and she'll be driving. Or, um, you know, they do something to try and, like, save Dom and, and he and she'll be driving and stuff like that. So she'll be driving, but you hardly see her fight. Like, you very rarely see her fight. Like, she's the one that gets, like, taken hostage in uh, the first Shaw Brother one, which is six. She gets taken hostage in that one. And a lot of the time, like, she doesn't really 
fight. Like even in six, um, Brian almost dies like fighting in the plane. And all she does is stand there and scream. No, really loudly. Like does nothing to help whatsoever in that situation. And that, that's, that was always part of the thing that bothered me a little bit is they didn't have her really do like a lot of fight scenes. And on this, in this one, she did a uh, quite a bit of fight scenes. Yeah, that you're 100% right. I saw some rumors floating around the internet today. Charlize Theron was asked about it, about an all-female spinoff series. That'd be awesome. Oh, it'd be so cool. Just like it would be really awesome if we get an all-female Avengers, which like was teased in Endgame. Just feed that right into my veins, both of those series. I'd be 100%. 100% in Because Michelle Rodriguez, she's, she's incredible. I love she's her. She's a beast. And, and uh, like, just picture, just, yeah, give me a Letty series. I'm, I'm, I'd be 100% cool with that. But anyway, we are, we, we are getting a little long here on our, on our show. So we should probably wrap it up. Do you have anything else before we say goodbye? No, other than if you have seen um, Fast 9 or have any commentary on any of this episode, please let us know on Twitter. Um, love to speak to the Sporty Nation as always follow us on twitter at cory underscore richie show on instagram at cory richie show follow the network at hockey pod net of course promo code thpn for DraftKings too until next time good night good hockey everybody